I don't know about you, but I have a, um, a tender spot in my heart for children. <clears throat> a sensitivity to see what God is doing in their lives. It's just beautiful to see unfold. How many see it? How many see it? How many see it? We have to see it. We have to see it. Proverbs 29.18, 29.19 says, where, where there is no vision, the people perish. When we consider our future... Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. <clears throat> That's not the message today. But I want you to turn in your Bibles. <clears throat> Joshua 24. The title of this message this morning is, A Father's Assignment. A father's assignment. When we consider our lives, we know that with absolute certainty, God has endowed us, every single one of us, with certain skills, certain natural and supernatural skills, right? How many can agree to that? God has blessed us in many ways, and the Bible um, indicates in so many different locations that God has blessed us with these gifts so that he could enhance his kingdom this side of heaven. That's the reason why you and I have been blessed. Amen. There's a purpose on our lives. One day we're going to preach a message series on that theme alone, probably from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's a beautiful thing to consider the, the talents that God has bestowed upon us. Uh, but particularly with regard to men, how many would agree that there's a special assignment from the Lord Himself upon man, the male upon man. And this morning we are going to consider some of those things from the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. You there? Say amen. amen. Look with me. The passage is on your screen. Look at the verses. <coughs> the Bible reads, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore... We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And we thank You so much, Holy Spirit, for Your presence in our midst. We thank You for worship this morning. We thank You for the privilege of allowing us to come before You in that manner. We consider it an honor. I thank You so much for Your tangible presence, Father. And I reiterate it in this way, Lord God, this morning, because, because I know that you live. I know that you are in this place, though we cannot see you with our naked eyes, with our natural eyes. I know that you are in this place. 
And we thank you so much for that. We also thank you this morning for the living hope that we live with. Every single one of them. Those of us who know you, Lord God, personally, we are thankful for the living hope that we possess on the inside. That living hope that is transforming us from within. Shaping us into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. For we are your workmanship, Paul the Apostle stated. Created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. And so we thank you for the work that you are performing in our lives. And we thank you again, though they are no longer in the building. We thank you for our children. And for the blessed hope, Father God, in their hearts. And for the plans that you have for them. For each and every one of them. We pray, Father God, that you may anoint, that you may equip, that you may enhance this work in their hearts and in their lives. So they may lead this church in the future. Father, give us understanding from your word at this time. Help us to see, help us to glean wisdom from your word. But most importantly, help us to apply these truths to our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Let me turn your attention. It's not in the... <clears throat> it's not something... Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Um, <clears throat> my throat. I'm going to quote the verses... There are two verses that I like a lot from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. These verses reads, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The fall in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, it proved to be extremely tragic for many reasons. And we know the story all too well, don't we? But perhaps the greatest tragedy that occurred in the Garden of Eden was man defaulting on his role as the steward of his home. Nowhere in Scripture do we find a greater disaster. I mean, there, when we consider the Word of God and the many, the many stories and the many examples, the many tragedies that have taken place, I mean, I consider it a grievous tragedy when God's people rebelled against Him, against the, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, and they were, they were dragged away into Babylon and, and various other nations that took God's people into captivity. Those things were tragedies. But in my mind, nothing compares to the tragedy that occurred in the Garden of Eden when man chose to default on his assignment. Because ever, the, ever since then, mankind has been striving, looking for meaning and purpose. And when we consider the, the condition of society today around us, can it be attributed to anything other than man defaulting on his role? Yes, there are a lot of things that we can point the, uh, the finger on, right? That we can put our fingers on the uh, drugs and, and the violence and just so many other things. But is it probable that all of these circumstances, that all of these things stem from, they flow from man, male, man defaulting on his role as father? God has placed a great responsibility within man. And in today's passage... Something incredible 
took place. We're going to look at that in a few moments. The Lord managed to use one man by the name of Joshua to bring solid perspective to an entire nation of people, especially the men of that nation. We're going to find out from this one particular passage that ultimately God used this one particular man not just to raise up a generation of obedient men, of faithful peoples, but God ultimately used this man and his leadership in a public forum right here in the sex to lead the entire nation before God. We're going to find out that this entire nation pledged to serve the Lord. <coughs> so what we find then in this passage are a few character traits that we as men of God today must possess if we are to fulfill God's assignment for our lives today. Let's consider the setting. The setting is the city of Sechem. And essentially, Sechem was the capital city of Israel, and it was in many ways their, their headquarters. Sechem has a long, rich history. How many remember reading that around that city in your Bible? Sechem. It's pronounced Sechem. It's spelled Shechem, but it's pronounced Sechem. In you don't have to necessarily take notes. I'm going to go through a series of ten things concerning the rich history. Before we talk about any principles concerning a father or a husband or a man, I just want to point out a couple of things concerning Sechem as a city. In Genesis chapter 12, this was a place where Abraham erected an altar years prior and received the promise from the Lord that the land would be given to his descendants. And this is many years before this one particular setting in this passage. In Genesis chapter 33, Genesis chapter 35, and in Judges chapter 9, we read concerning Sechem that Jacob purchased a field and later buried the teraphim of his followers. Number three, in John chapter 4, Verses 5, 39 through 42, we read that Jacob later dug a well that bears his name even to this day. Number four, in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph's brothers were herding Jacob's sheep in Sechem before they sold him into slavery. Number five, in Joshua 24, this one particular text before us today, Joseph's bones were buried there. Number six, in Genesis chapter 34, the unfortunate incident involving Dinah <coughs> took place there. And her brothers Simeon and Levi exacted a drastic revenge upon that city. What a great bloodshed that was. Number seven, 1 Kings chapter 12, chapter 12 Rehoboam was appointed king there. Number eight, Jeroboam took up residence there. Number nine, in John chapter four, once again, this city is mentioned in connection with our Lord's conversation with the woman of Samaria. You remember that? The conversation with the woman by the well? That was ancient Sechem. I believe it's, I'm not sure I could be wrong. Um, we have our, our is, is Israel experts with us here today, um, Jen and Vet. Uh, no, that you weren't there for a month, nearly a month. Huh? You appreciate my tone right about now? I think it's called modern day Jopla. I could be wrong. I don't know. Number 10, 
uh, and of course, and this is our text here today, it was Sikkim where Joshua finished his course as father and leader of the nation of Israel. What are some of the takeaways that we can um, leave here with today um, concerning Joshua as a father that actually apply to you and I as fathers here today? Number one, look at Joshua 24 verse 1. <coughs> a father is to be the leader of his home. That's the first point. A father is to be the leader of his home. Joshua verse 1 Joshua 24 reads, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Sechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. In a Christian, in a Christian context, a leader is someone who manages to encourage others, number one, to follow Christ, and number two, his teachings. And in this one particular text, Joshua was doing exactly that. And it did not happen overnight for him. His leadership skills were honed over a long period of time. Probably 40 years of ministry. Sitting underneath the man of God, Moses himself, who was mentoring him. Nurturing the leader within him. He became a blessed child of God to the nation of Israel. One of the things that we have to make note of here is that leadership has nothing to do with dictatorship. Leadership has everything to do with influence. And therefore, in the context of a father or in the context of a home, a father is supposed to lovingly and graciously influence his family to follow the principles of the Bible. To follow after Jesus Christ himself. Leadership is about mentorship, where an individual takes ownership of certain responsibilities and influences others to do the same. Here's an example from the scriptures for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. You don't have to go there, just listen to me. Paul the Apostle, speaking to the Corinthians, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul's ministry wasn't about dictatorship. Paul's ministry was about influence. He was seeking to be a positive influence in the lives of the people that God called him to serve or to minister to. And that's another point. Leadership is about serving others. It's not about being served. It's about serving others. It's about being faithful to God with a responsibility. It's about stewardship. Joshua commanded thousands... But his leadership abilities did not develop overnight. Let me ask you, men, how are you leading your families today? It's one of those questions that we have to ask ourselves. And I, and I know I'm, I'm, I, I should be taking lessons from you. This is a senior crowd. Just take a look around you. Most of us got up after 60 years, Ron Muir and, and others. Um, you, you have been fathers for a very, very long time. In fact, you are, some of you are raising great-grandchildren here today. How many have great-grandchildren that you are help raising? Um, Ron, see the Ron again. That's right. Lois and a few others. And it's a blessed, blessed, blessed responsibility from the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. 
<coughs> if you're taking notes, it reads, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, we're talking about leadership this morning. And it's so easy in our homes, under our own roofs, to try to strut and to shape our children with an iron fist. And the Bible actually discourages that. That is not the biblical model for leading our children as fathers. We cannot, the verse says, provoke our children to anger. The verse actually says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So whenever there's an opportunity or whenever there's a moment when our children sort of rise up in our faces because for whatever reason they disagree with our leadership under our own roof, what are we supposed to do? We have to be sensitive to the indifference and find a gracious way to apply biblical truth. We have to find a gracious way to help them understand the importance of the Word of God regarding whatever particular matter they're struggling with. I find myself wrestling with my children from time to time, especially my oldest. <coughs> kind of got astray, gone astray on me. And now that he has a family of his own, from time to time he reaches out because he realizes the things that I was trying to get him to understand were so important. He's lacking in those areas now. So they reach out, right? But I, could t- I'll, I'll take it any, t- any, any way I can get it, right? Amen? Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 25, concerning our wives. We're talking about leadership. A man's leadership role in the home. With regard to our wives, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that's extreme. We know that Jesus Christ sacrificed everything for the body of Christ, for the church, for his bride. He sacrificed everything, no reservations whatsoever, none. What does that say about our responsibilities as fathers in our home? We ought not to live with any reservations whatsoever. I think it's actually saying that as fathers, we need to go the extra mile. Isn't that right, Tim? Listen, and I know that it's dreadful sometimes, right? But... (laughs) what? What? You're not in our shoes, right, men? And the women say, I don't appreciate your tone. It's a responsibility in the hand. But Jesus Christ gave everything. Therefore, you and I, as fathers, as men, we're supposed to go the extra mile as well. Some of us have children, and I don't mean this in a harsh way. I'm not trying to be condemning or anything like that. Because it applies to me first and foremost. I can say that I live with a a heavy heart today with regard to my oldest son. He's going to be 31 September 10th. And I wasn't always there for him. And so there are consequences. There's a burden on my shoulders because I failed failed him in more ways than one. But is it possible as well in your life? I'm talking to the men here in the church this morning. That perhaps there's there's a void, a deficiency in the, in the lives of your children because you weren't there necessarily as well. Perhaps we fail to understand them at one point or another. 
Perhaps we haven't necessarily developed the sensitivities that we should possess as fathers for our children. Some of us are there, right? I know that I'm not the only one living with indifference in my heart for my children. Ouch. I put it out there. We all have a measure of indifference toward one another, our spouses, our children. It's a difficult reality. And the reason is because we possess this this finite, this sinful nature that gives us difficulty on a regular basis. And sometimes we justify the indifference or the apathy even worse. And we wander away from. We move away from the responsibility as fathers. As if God, because they're no longer under our roof, as if God is not going to hold us responsible for some things. Is it true that just because your children no longer live under your roof, they're no longer your responsibility? And I know they've grown. And children do a very good job at keeping us at bay, especially when they don't want us involved in their affairs. Our children do a very, our children do a, they perfected that. Trust me, they perfected it. In fact, I got a text this morning from Crystal who says, I want to say sorry. And on and on and on. And that was wonderful to hear. You talk about apathy. It exists and it makes the job difficult. But the responsibility is great nonetheless. And God holds us responsible. We're supposed to lead with love. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19. It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I'm sorry, baby. I got it out. (laughs) Number two, a father is to be priest, is to be a priest in his home. And this is one of the most important because it deals with making sure that God is well represented in the home. Look at Joshua 24 verse 2, the first part, just the first part of of, of verse 2. It says, and Joshua said to all the people, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. And for 12 verses, almost half of this chapter, Joshua goes on to give the people, they were out there in droves. This was a public forum, church, out in the open. They came out there to make a pledge to God. And right there, almost half the time in their presence, he gives them the word of God. The point has to do with being a priest in the home. As fathers, we are supposed to be the priest of the home. And what does that mean? What does that entail? We have to be spiritual advisor. Yes. We have to make sure that we are always, always sharing truth with our children. Directly, indirectly. Citing the passage, sitting down, reading the word of God. But at the very, very least, living out the truth of the Word of God so that they may have an example to see, to behold. Right? We have to always share the Word of God because at the end of the day, if we're going to be, if we're going to fulfill this assignment that God has given to us, it's going to be through the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. Our children need to hear the Word of God. It's extremely important. Joshua always made sure that his people were receiving the word of God from his lips, even to his dying breath. There's a verse here that we all love. Eventually in the chapter, he goes on to say, choose you this day whom you will serve. 
As a priest, a father needs to teach the word of God to his family. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Whenever there is a disconnect in our families, more than likely it's because of the failure to heed the word of God. Not necessarily, I put it that way deliberately, because I know that many of us, especially those of us who have been in church for a very long time, We've done right by our children concerning the administration of the Word of God. And I know that. I know that. And still, in many cases, our children still manage to go astray because of choices they've made for themselves. And God's not necessarily going to hold us responsible for that, right? But think about those circumstances when they do go astray. Those times when the Word of God wasn't being shared. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And as a priest, a father needs to cast vision to his family. Write this verse down. Proverbs 29, verse 18. And it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Our children have to learn to see beyond their current circumstance. Our children need to learn that they have the rest of their lives ahead of them. Sometimes our children, how many, how many of your children enjoy math in school? Um, some, some, right? But almost none, right? Almost none. We need to teach them vision so that they can see beyond what they're going through today. Math is a difficult thing to learn, to grasp, to appreciate even. But there's a reason for math. We don't have to get into that. Number three, a father is to be the protector of the home. A father is to be the protector of the home. And we see this not just in this chapter, but in every chapter of the book of Joshua. Every chapter. He was a father of a nation of people. There were a lot of people in this one particular community. And Joshua did everything he possibly could to protect them. From their enemies. In fact, I don't think there was anybody in the word of God who led a military campaign like Joshua. God promised them the nation, the the land of Canaan. And from the moment he entered the land of Canaan, one nation after another fell before Joshua and his military army. One nation after another. And God gave him the favor to accomplish all of that. And in the same manner, you and I, as fathers, we are to be protectors over over our families. Number one, the Bible admonishes us to be on the lookout for the enemy of our souls. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is always on the lookout to destroy our families. What happens when Satan destroys a family? When Satan destroys a family, he destroys a community. When he destroys a community, he destroys a neighborhood. And so on and so forth. The family unit is the backbone of any city, of any state, of any nation, of any community. Family is precious in the sight of God. And as fathers, we have the responsibility of making sure 
of making sure that we protect our families in that way. Not just from our physical enemies and physical threats, but from the enemy himself. Secondly, concerning this point, protection. 2 Timothy 2.15 You and I as fathers, we have to be informed. Can we nurture the lives of our children if we ourselves are not informed? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But if you and I as fathers are not taking the time to get into the word of God, or if you and I as, fi- as fathers are not taking the time to bend the knee and to pray as often as we possibly can, we are not going to have the wherewithal to minister to our children, to properly raise up our children. It's just not going to happen. And it's the reason why society is the way that it is today. Destroyed in so many ways. This side of heaven, it's irreparable. It's irreparable. But one day very soon, the sky is going to split. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then those of us who are alive will be caught up together with them in the air. We shall ever, forever be with the Lord. And then God is going, after a season, God, the Lord himself, he's going to return and he's going to restore order here on earth. Number three concerning this point, we must have an open line of communication with the Lord. I mentioned that already. The reference, and I'll move on, is Luke 18, verse 1. It says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. I understand that sometimes it gets difficult. I understand the burden at times is, is overwhelming. It's, and it seems impossible to bear at times. I know because I've been there. Four children. This verse says, men ought always to pray. And not to faint. And finally, number four, a father is to be the provider in his home. A father is to be the provider in his home. As leader, Joshua provided in every way to his people, especially spiritually. And it's the reason why the nation had everything they needed under his leadership. A father, listen to this. A father must make the greatest of sacrifices to ensure to ensure that his family is provided for. This is a slide I'm going to put up here. Take a look at that slide really good. Try to interpret that slide. According to the Center for American Progress, in 2015, 42% of mothers were sole or primary Breadwinners, 2015. And I know stats like this are almost impossible to adequately interpret. I know that. The data like this, you can go in so many different directions with it. But there was still an element to the study that proved that at least 42% of women in 2015 were either sole or primary providers in their home. What does that say about man and his role in these last days? Every single one of us here in this church knows, a, knows a, a handful of women who are single parents. How many know? But let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Women who are single parents. <clears throat> there are so many women who are single parents. And for many reasons. 
Not just because man has failed. Many cases the, the husband has died. And it's fair to say those things. But the percentage is high. Because men have defaulted on, on their role. Or women are raising children by themselves. And then there's this vicious domino effect in society because of that. <clears throat> I don't have anything personal against women working. But when it's happening because men are forsaking their responsibilities, we need to speak up. Right? I think we need to speak up. Listen to this. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. <clears throat> what an indictment. Doesn't, doesn't that not apply to what I've been saying thus far about men defaulting on responsibility? I'm going to read that again. Because it went over your head. I know it. First Timothy, this is a stern warning from the Lord Himself concerning our role as fathers. First Timothy 5.8. I think we need to um, tattoo this on our bodies as men. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied. It says he. That's the pronoun that's being used here. It says he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. This is also a verse, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This verse is in your Bible, just like it's in my Bible. And God will one day. Hold us accountable for how we minister to our families. Let's recap. Number one, a father is to lead his family according to the will of God. A father is to lead his family according to the will of God. Leading is not dictating. Leading is gently, graciously Lovingly influencing the family to follow Jesus Christ and his word. Number two, a father is to be a priest in the home. This is a wonderful point because it has to do with adequately representing the Lord in the home. We are God's representative. We are God's steward for our families. And God expects us to lovingly share the Word of God as often as we possibly can. So that our children can learn to follow Jesus. What's that one verse? I think it's Proverbs. That one verse I'm thinking about, Janine? Raise up a... Raise up a Amen. I knew you knew it. I knew you knew it. Number three, a father must protect his family. We live today with constant threats. Who closes the door at the end of the day in your home? Who makes sure that the doors are, that the, that the, that the doors bolted? Who does that in your home? You, you, <laughs> Michael. Michael, stand up. We're going to pray for you right now. 
We're going to pray for you. Ron, elders, let me get the elders up here. Dude, really? Listen, my wife and I live in a two-bedroom apartment, but I'm the one, I make sure that the door is locked every single time. Every single night. I make sure that the windows are locked and secured. And in the middle of the night, listen, nothing's going to happen to us. If something does happen, they broke the door down. But I make sure the latches are where they're supposed to be and everything is secure. Because I see it as my responsibility. I have to be the protector of my home. It's just two of us. Well, my dog, Wolfie, you want to count him, my son. But you get the point, right? Especially protecting our families from that spiritual space, right? The devil is always looking for an opportunity to destroy our lives. He's always looking for an opportunity to infiltrate our lives. And I think as fathers, we are the vanguard. We, what's that movie? What's that, that Thor where the guy Idris Alba is standing at the gate with a sword like this? How many seen the movie? How many seen the movie? Really? Young people, how many know what I'm talking about, huh? Idris Alba? Huh? Marvel Universe. Idris Alba is standing there. He's the gatekeeper. That's you and I as men. Some of you are saying, man, this guy is out there. Number four, and lastly, a father must provide for his family. It's okay for women to work. Absolutely, it's okay for women to work. But God ultimately is going to hold man responsible for providing for his family. We got to work. Everybody has to work nowadays because of the way society is today. We got a lot of greed in society today. But man has a duty to God to provide for his family. Stand up with me. Let us pray. Can I get the worship team to come up? I think it's fair to say that the principles not only apply to men, it applies to women as well. We all have a responsibility before God. One day we will all stand before God to give an account, to give an account of our lives, especially to give an account concerning how we have raised up our children. Do whatever it is you can. Luke 18.1 says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Father, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you so much for your truth. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much, Lord God, for these principles. And as difficult as they are to apply, we pray that you may give us the grace that we need, Heavenly Father, to apply these things to our lives and to be vigilant, to be diligent with these things, Lord God, with this responsibility that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us here this morning. We thank you so much, Father God, that we don't have to do this in our own strength. We thank you so much for your grace, for that unmerited favor, and that by your Holy Spirit, and only by your Holy Spirit, will we be able to fulfill this responsibility. It is too great for us. We don't have the capacity to fulfill this on our own. So we thank you for the help that you provide as our Heavenly Father. We pray these things, giving you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Praise God for his word.
Say hello and to greet the gentleman that we have from Gideon's International. To the right by the window, that is Cliff. And in the center, that is Dennis. Please say hello uh, when you get an opportunity. Any other visitors? Fernando, I believe that's you? That's All right, no, I know. This is the first time I meet you. I see you. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? Any other visitors? This is uh, our friend Jim. Jim, are you a father? I noticed you didn't get up earlier. I want to say, uh, if you guys look back to us, all the uh, names and students were taken, so I want to say thank you. Oh, they're um, gone. Just a reminder, as you leave, they will be arriving on Saturday. We want to hand those out Saturday, so I know some of you have already turned, their, turned them in. If you haven't, maybe you just grab them this morning. If you can make sure maybe Wednesday that you drop them off. Wednesday night, or if you want to come to the office during the day, sometime this week, drop them off. But we just need them by Thursday or Friday so that we can have them for, for Saturday. So let me close this in a word of prayer as we head out. God, we just want to say thanks for uh, allowing us to be together this morning to worship you. God, thanks for the freedom that we have in Christ. God, thanks so much that you have sent your only son, Jesus. God, so that we could gather together uh, knowing that we are no longer condemned by our sins. God, what a blessing that is to know that we have freedom because of what you've done for us. So, God, as we leave this place, I pray that we would be people who live on mission for you. God, I pray that every place that we go, every thought that we have, every conversation that is in front of us, God, that we would uh, be reminded of the importance of eternity. God, as we interact with people, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, God, remind us, God, we are the bearers of good news. And so, God, help us to deliver that to this world, to our neighborhoods, to those around us. God, we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great day, church.